Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good morning, and welcome to what I am assured at length at this point is Gatecast episode 226. Woohoo! Yes, it's quite amazing how many times Alan will go out of his way to ask me what the number is, I tell him what the number is, and then <laughs> 10 seconds later he writes the wrong one. But it's given us a little piece for the show, so hey. <laughs> Good morning everybody, yes we're recording Bank Holiday Monday, for me it is, I don't know uh, how the Finns regard it. Uh, the country short. The country short, fair enough. Not as short <laughs> as it was yesterday, when literally the only thing open was the K-Market. As I discovered when checking, the K-Market opposite me is open every single day. Yeah. They're never not open. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So, what is the big news for the week? The year, or maybe even since the cancellation of Universe? Well, late last year, rumours of a theatrical Stargate movie were doing the rounds, but back with nothing but vague desires and soft reporting of comments associated with Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. However, things have taken a step forward when it was announced on the 29th of May and reported by a number of industry websites that MGM and Warner Brothers, along with Roland and Dean, will be rebooting the 1994 movie with a planned trilogy. The original project was going to be three movies, but despite the global success of Stargate, the theatrical features stalled, and MGM brought the property to the small screen, and it became a global hit spanning three live-action series with a combined 17 seasons of television. The fan base for the TV version of the franchise have held out hope for a straight-to-DVD on-demand continuation, but after the financial troubles of MGM and the downturn in the media market, that too died a death. It may seem strange that during a period when Marvel are sweeping all before them, and X-Men, Spider-Man and Star Wars on the way, does the market need a reboot of a well-performing but hardly groundbreaking sci-fi flick, when so many solid sci-fi productions have failed to really break into the blockbuster category? That said, with the global market reducing the importance of the US box office, it takes real effort to produce an expansive CGI sci-fi action flick which can't, at the very least, turn a profit. And that may have tipped the scales when finally signing off on producing the Stargate reboot. As reported on Variety and Deadline Hollywood, MGM chairman Gary Barber was quoted as saying, Stargate is one of the biggest titles in MGM's vast library, and we look forward to adding this great franchise to our slate. Well, I can't argue with that, and with all the reboots, the studios are counting on the name recognition and existing fan base to get any new movie a leg up in the early days when a movie can live or die. Jonathan Glickman for MGM and Greg Silverman for Warner Brothers will be overseeing the project, with the first movie being directed by Emmerich and produced by Devlin. We haven't had much time for any comprehensive feedback for the news, but certainly Twitter has been buzzing, and we got some comments on other social media. Michael Brennick... I hope it's more like one of the many series rather than the original movie, but I'll take what they give me. Jeff Wolsey. I really hope they go with an SG-1 version of O'Neill, and not the original movie version for the new trilogy. Andrew Wonders. Dude, the fact that they're ignoring the TV shows is a big red flag for me. It makes me fear that it will be yet another Emperor's New Clothes reboot. 
Here's a story you already know and pay to see, but now it has new shiny clothes. Bradmore, happy to hear the new reboot is moving forward. Should be interesting. Adam Nelson, I'm not sure I am. Based on previous statements by Devlin and Emmerich, I half expect them to go out of their way not to make any nods to the television shows that make up 99% of the franchise. I wouldn't want much, but if it's a reboot, I would at least hope that one of the scientists involved in researching the Stargate is named Samantha Carter. Stephen Jones, any Stargate will be good. I will obviously just treat it as an alt-universe. Alan Keating, we will, of course, observe with interest and praise ridicule according to personal preference and most importantly, hotness of the Carter analogue. Grace Valentino, worst news for the Stargate franchise ever, even worse than SGU, at least that show acknowledged SG1 and SGA. Campy Lobacter, I'm setting my expectations really low for the Stargate reboot, so I won't be disappointed. Really, really low. Michael Shanks, a Stargate reboot, starring Kurt Russell, as Nate Pliskin, that I will watch. Cirrusy, Yay! Stargate films confirmed. And finally, Chris. For me, definition of Stargate is SG-1 and SGA. That's all. Right, there are plenty more posts across social media realm, and I think the balance between pro and con is pretty even. Final thought, like the remake of Star Trek, regardless of what you think of the two movies, they have certainly helped promote the existing TV series to existing and new viewers, which will only make a new TV outing more viable. The days of our Stargate, SG-1, SGA and Universe may have come to an end, but never give up hope that the show will return to the small screen at some point in the future. You know, I'd need to check my schedule and see if there's lectures. I suppose this is convenient for you because you've got two bank holidays in a row. Pretty close. Oh, yeah. The refuse collectors are busy, they've just uh, done our street. They do tend to work the bank holidays, I don't know what sort of benefit package they get otherwise, but God bless them. Have you never seen the Refuge Collectors reality show? I'm sure John Peel, God rest him, uh, did one while he was still alive. I tend not to watch reality shows, unless they involve crabbing boats in Alaska. Oh yeah, some friends of mine in Mayo did that. It's how they met. How romantic. <laughs> well, you get about a 12-week season. Yeah. They get enough money to live off for the rest of the year. And what tends to happen with most of the crabbing boat people is they blow it on beer and other things this couple decided was, if we do this for three years and we survive and we live frugally, we'll have enough to buy a house back in Ireland. Worked out for them then? They bought half a farm. Oh, nice. Because it was unusual at the time because this was back in 97, 98. His house came flat packed on the back of a truck. <laughs> Timber frame weren't very popular at the time in Ireland. Yeah. I had to explain to some of the other way the, the difference between Celsius and centigrade. Uh, which is in practical terms. Which is, in practical terms, centigrade is graded on water only, and therefore varies with atmospheric pressure. Ah, right. If you want a truly accurate scale, you just go with Kelvin. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little extreme for day-to-day use. Oh, perishing out there, it's only 250. <laughs> Much evil yellow light. <laughs> Don't say spring is here. Yeah. The director said to me yesterday, I'll get to 35, and I said, yeah, well, I was promised minus 30 for winter, and I didn't get that. Yeah, that's weather for you. Can't rely on it. Indeed. People are bingly, bingly beeping at me. Yeah, a tweet someone sent by J.K. Rowling, it's hard killing off so many characters. Versus George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> Have you seen them both? What? The Game of Thrones. No, I've only been up an hour. And while that is technically time to watch last night's episode... No. Last night's episode is... You know I have. 
You mentioned it last week. Yeah, but I've not watched it yet at that stage. But as you said, you've read the book. True. But still, Adriana was very happy with the end of episode two. I wasn't. Really? I expected more. The thing which actually I found most bothersome was standing over your man after she stabbed him in the throat and watching him choke on his own blood. She's going to be dangerous. It's the fact that HBO actually showed what was clearly a child doing this. Well, how old is she in the books? Yeah, she's about nine. Oh, right, yeah. She looks older in the show. The problem is, you see, the books take place over about, thus far, a year or so. Actors and actresses have aged up. <laughs> yeah. Although Adriana said she's starting to feel sorry for Sansa. Yeah. I spent three bloody hours configuring SQL Server yesterday to try and get the workbench to work. It refused to actually set up. Ended up having to create a virtual machine of Windows and install that on that. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the first episode of The 100 CW to the max. 200 teenagers who you'd quite happily see die. Every single one of them. Do any of them? Well, it's only the first episode and I think only about four or five have been killed so far. Yeah. <laughs> a Lord of the Flies vibe going on. Any nudity? It's CW. So no. So basically, males who have no chest hair. How long did you last with Beauty and the Beast? One episode. Really? I could not take those two young women as detectives. Christ, the Beast is better looking than I am. <laughs> and you think, hang on a minute. <laughs> He's not exactly Ron Perlman, is he? You know, in full makeup. But in Beast mode? I know with the Beast in the fairy tale was, was he a prince? Hmm. And we never saw him as a prince when the story got going. He was always the beast. She had to fall in love with the beast, not the beast only half the time. Well, a lot of women, especially if you check upworthy.com, which Audra posts from a lot, would say that Beauty and the Beast is nearly worse than Twilight in terms of female role models. <laughs> I could believe that. Are you looking for a podcast that's fast-paced, hard-hitting, in-your-face? A podcast that rides the ragged edge of disaster? I just <laughs> I couldn't think of his, his name. I just saw for the first time the Weezer Pork and Beans commercial. Might want to check elsewhere for one of those. On the other hand, boy, have I got a show for you. Hope Audio Weekly. It's a show that's got everything you need. Danger Zone. And the geeky stuff they like talking about. Uh, don't ever fight a deathclaw. Like, if you see one, just turn and run. And really, what more could you ask for? That's Pulp Audio Weekly at weekly.pulpaudio.com. Head on over there to find out all about the show and listen to episodes right on the webpage. Or pick up the RSS feed and subscribe right on your favorite podcast listening tool. That's Pulp Audio Weekly with weekly.pulpaudio.com. I turned away from the mic to clear my throat. <laughs> anyway, if we're ready. Yep, we're back to the normal Region 2 release, so runtime 41.52. 51. Fair enough. This is the same file, but if you say yours says 4151, it could be just the vagaries of the different VLC code. Oh, I am using an official Gatecast mouse mat. I'm using an envelope. <laughs> oh, that. Yes, the mouse mat. Adriana's kind of stopped listening due to life, and now she doesn't remember where she was. Okay. And so, we'll just go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing again. Boost her downloads. Anyway, in honour of the request, even though she probably won't hear it for about nine months. A three. A doe, a hane, flicky. Previously. Valor! Yes. Yes, we've missed. Mm. Oh, Daniel with a beard as well. Mm. Flashbacks. <laughs> the dark days when they introduced Cameron with him fighting a holographic knight. Mm. Not exactly Stargate, but. <laughs> Gathering great treasures from the far corners of Arthur's domain and hiding them in a magical stronghold at Avalon. Oh, there's a damn warriors as well. <laughs> Volnek. We will be meeting him again in this episode. Yeah, we're meeting the Ori. Yeah, he did say it wasn't over. Hmm. Granting my freedom changes nothing, Mitchell. 
Yes, and they will kill you. Yes, useful to say that. Although it's writers, of course. Mm. We will meet again. Thoughtful-looking Sam. Yes, lots of cable in. Not quite sure how it directly interfaces with the alien artifact, mm. but what the hell. You are still working on that thing. It looks like the sensor. These pads won't stick to it. Did you sleep here last night? Of course not. I slept down the hall in my quarters. <laughs> it's Bo's latest music device. Style over function. Who knows what ancient secrets it may hold? Well, obviously not you or Dr. Lee, who's been working on that thing for, what, six months? <laughs> that sounds like Dr. Lee. He probably couldn't tell you what it's made of yet. I- I'm actually making some progress here. No, you're not. That's what you said last night. Oh, context is everything with a remark like that. Let's go grab some breakfast. Hey, this is interesting. Perfect timing. So, Cameron then, he walks up and something changes. Cameron's special. It means this device is interactive. I'm reading an EM output that keeps fluctuating between high and low frequencies. So, two different states. Hmm. Sure. What have you got to lose? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's not good. Uh-oh. Let's randomly press buttons and see what happens. <laughs> no, nothing bad could happen whatsoever. Idiots. That was a short teaser. It was, wasn't it, really? It... Right then, Arthur's Mantle. Season 9, episode 18 of Stargate SG-1. The Gatecast, episode 226. This episode was directed by Peter DeLuise and written by Alan McCullough. Had its US premiere February the 24th, 2006. We got it in the UK February the 28th, the Canadians March the 9th, and the French July the 1st. Took a whole new year for the Japanese to get it June the 11th, 2007, and the Swedes got it October the 29th of the same year. There were no other TV series with episodes of this name. Shocker. I know. That's why I stretched it with Morta Daniel. (laughs) Okay then. Peter DeLuise, who directed this episode went on to direct 56 episodes of SG-1, 6 of Atlantis, and 7 of SGU. He wrote 10 episodes of SG-1 and 2 episodes of Atlantis, and he acted in 16 episodes of SG-1 and the single episodes of Universe. Alan McCullough, the writer of the episode, he wrote 9 episodes of SG-1, 8 of Atlantis, and 1 of Universe. He also wrote Sanctuary, Lost Girl, and Rain, and was the creative consultant and story editor on the show. And we're back. Nicely done. Can you read that? Hologram. The ancients do like their fancy displays, don't they? Mm. <laughs> Hungry much? Hey, Bill, good timing. Take a look at this. Yellow for breakfast, seriously. Mm. It is blue, though, so we'll give them that. Something strange. Yeah. Yo, Doc, amazing discovery over here. Bill, you okay? Oh, what the hell? Whoa. <laughs> ah, the other phase trope. Not the best effect they've done. Is Dr. Lee by any chance Bill Dow? Yes. Not much of a stretch with the name, was it? (laughs) 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 If it was one of the Teen Angsty series, that would be some rapid blows followed by a kiss. Probably, yeah. It's a device. By initiating it, we must have triggered some sort of localised effect. Local meaning you and me? Yeah. Just imagine if this had been done during Jack and Sam's tenure. Mm. We're alone in this universe. Hmm. <laughs> oh, 
We need to find Daniel. Out of phase, what does that mean? Yes, the age old. Yeah. How can they be standing on the floor? But Yeah, they have to walk around people to avoid CGI effect. <laughs> yes. Completely different problem. It's something you just gotta let go. <laughs> or it'll drive you nuts. There are several spatial dimensions. Eleven, actually, that exist in parallel with our physical realities. And you'll appreciate this, of course. The working title for this episode was Out of Phase. <laughs> Yay. Hell, all I need is a good time travel adventure, and I've scored the SG-1 trifecta. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, Gamera, and the show isn't done yet. <laughs> you do it automatically, don't yeah. you? PX-7-377, the Crystal Skull. <laughs> you really did read every report from every mission we ever went on, didn't you? I was you? in that hospital a long time, and they were all riveting. <laughs> a little bit of exposition here. Mm. The commentary track was Alan McCullough, the writer, and Jim Minard, the DP. As I said, it, this was actually recorded 10 minutes after the recorded off-the-grid commentary. Mm. So they were sitting in a recording studio all morning watching Stargate. Mm. They have to order in those teachers, especially for Tilt. Yes. I have a friend who became a member of the Garda Shia and they had the special order his uniform shirts. <laughs> they couldn't get one to fit him. Intimidating, was he? I could press 360. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally seen him pick two guys up and bounce them off each other. <laughs> like, Stop fighting, boink. He didn't have red hair by any chance, did he? You know, no. Carrot. I thought a carrot is sort of tall and thin, like a, well, carrot. Yeah, but he still could pick people up and bounce them against each other. Jackson, just the guy to help us with a little problem. Yes, we can't afford to do it again. That's enough of the CGI effects for this episode. Or not. The dimension we're occupying must be different from the one he was shifted to. Alternate, alternate dimensions? Something like that, yeah. Okay, so what do we do? We have to find a way to communicate with them. Ouija board. Mm. Any ideas? Unscheduled off-world activation. There you go. Saved $10,000 by not doing a CGI effect there. No IDC, sir, but I am receiving a radio signal. Let's hear it. You know, occasionally, Walter, you're allowed to go home. Yeah. He's probably got a little camp bed in the corner of the uh, control room. Sounds like harmonic distortion in the data stream. Not sure, sir. Can you clean it up? I can try, sir. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. That's never good. Okay, that sounded like something hitting the iris. Any way to know for sure what it was? We can run some tests. <laughs> or how it's possible. Get Colonel Carter down here to help unscramble that message. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the hand is I'm right here. Here's the bearded guy. The technician, Andrew McNee. I can't make heads or tails of this. That's because the filter coefficient has to be adaptive. Ignore Amanda. Ignore Amanda. The filter coefficient has to be adaptive. Yeah. I can feel a breath on my cheek. Here we go. <laughs> Slight variance in the output. It. Come on, notice it. And never mind. Gosh. Really? Like she's going to say gosh. <laughs> I think I've found more appropriate epithet. What do you mean they're missing? They are not in their quarters, nor are they responding to any attempt to contact them. They've gone AWOL. They've run off to Tahiti. Have you checked the closet? Yeah. <laughs> We're viewing tapes for both the labs and the cafeteria. I'll be on that while there are hundreds of cameras and hours of tape, so... And we'll screen them all if we have to. I want them found. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, you're most senior officers. Yeah, I'd want them found as well. You don't need to run facial, right? Why am I getting that Patrick Swayze and ghost feeling? Oh, look, the general's using a post-it. He's getting old. 
Starting to forget things, I've got to start writing them all down. Things to do. Find Cameron and Sam. Walter. We managed to clean up the message, sir. Finally. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Digital filters and we came up with this. Yes, they did, General. Didn't they get an IDC? They probably didn't trust them enough because they, they were kind of, you know, if they were going against the Ori, very risky. I mean, the Ori could actually get their hands on the uh, IDC. Do the Ori have the power to just open the Ori's anyway? Yeah, but if they're using the gate, they're not corporeal, are they? Their priors don't appear as if by magic. Hmm. They have to travel by the gate. So the iris will affect them just as much as anybody else. Oh, hey, have you seen Colonel Carter? Hey, I was just coming to ask you the same thing. Really? Because she left her laptop in my lab. She did? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, hooked up to that device that you picked up in Glastonbury. Yeah, the alarm bells and the light bulb should all be going off with that revelation. There she is. What do you say there she is when it was clearly Cameron? Oh. That's really bad footage. Your hair looks brown. You thought that was Cameron? <gasps> Her hair looks dark. <laughs> Granted, the uniforms aren't that flattering, but still. Looks like they've hacked into Tilk's private stash of Jello Babes a go go. What just happened? Looks like the camera went offline. Probably a power surge. Oh. Come on, we all know better than that. Too suspicious. The gun. Thank you, Captain Obvious. As if by magic, but when it's about 30 seconds gap. Bring up the security camera for the corridor outside Dr. Lee's lab. Sync them up to 816 and run them simultaneously. So easy to do, isn't it? Just a few button presses. You didn't even see a bright flash, did you? Maybe the flash was preceded by electromagnetic pulse, which killed the cameras and was invisible. But you should have seen the camera outside register the brightness. Maybe the brightness was actually the transition between realities, so it didn't really appear in our reality. Or maybe they just didn't think of it. Hey guys, anybody notice that the Sedan homeworld looks a lot like Vancouver? More staff blasts, just like back at the gate. Indeed. The battle took place here as well. Indeed. Thank you, Tilk. They're very casual about this instant teleportation. I assume that's an Asgard device. Ancient, not Asgard. The Sedan got all their technology from the ancients. Ah, same diff. This is Major Haddon, played by Doug Vert, American actor. He's been in 666 Park Avenue and Law and Order and the Special Victims Unit, as well as early TNG episodes and Roswell. Actually, I was watching episode 5 of Intelligence and they mentioned an MP9. P90. Sorry? The P90. I know that's a B90, but didn't they have MP9s or MP5s before? MP5s was mm. Jack's first weapon. Look at that. They spent all that money building that setup, then they're burning down. I gotta wonder, is the two guns actually Chris Judge's idea because he figures he looks badass? Probably, yes. They actually said in the commentary there were some issues because when one of the characters got one of the big machine guns, everybody wanted one. Mm-hmm. They had to make it a rule that the P90 was, you know, the standard assault weapon, and only when they went on special missions. Where they allowed different guns. Did the Sadan refuse Tritonin then? Yeah, they still use a symbiote, didn't they? Now, this guy on the floor that Tilk is going to look at in a bit. Keep an eye on his chest. Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> Whomever did this new well, the most efficient way to kill a Jafar. Their symbiotes have been targeted. They will show no mercy.
they had trouble shooting this episode all the soot and particles in the air it wasn't the most healthy environment to be filming in no tony todd making a return to the show pulse is weak he will not survive long his symbiote is dead lieutenant help me get him into one of these huts we need to get some tritonin in him stat <laughs> Roast beef. The one time I can't eat, and they serve roast beef. Do you know how many times I've requested roast beef? No, oh, poor Cameron. Hmm. If that's all you've got to worry about. Look on the bright side, guys. If it lasts more than three days, you'd be dead of dehydration. <laughs> Touch anything, ergo, no eating, no drinking, and I'm not going to speculate on the other bodily functions. If <laughs> that was Ben's ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got to. You gotta love. <laughs> what sort of mind would come up with this solution to a problem? Mm. What have you got, Doctor? Well, we know that Sam was working on the device. We know the device does not give off any typical energy signatures emitted by ancient transporter technology. This leads us to the conclusion that they disappeared without leaving the room. How's that possible? <laughs> Wait yes. for it. <laughs> He's not sure. Miniaturization. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> how how could you come up with that as your first solution? Tiny legs. <laughs> All we have to do is find them. Ronald, start with section one A. Tiny legs. <laughs> Ronald. Ronald. He doesn't look like a Ronald. That's to show off the set that we so wonderfully destroyed. As I said, you know, because it was a location production. The buildings were solid. They were probably better built than actual houses. Mm. I thought that was on the show. <laughs> oh my god, it's alert! <laughs> Tony Todd, uh, Lord Hakon, the American actor, looking forward to his appearance in the upcoming original series Star Trek fan film, Prelude to Axonaut. He also voiced Dreadwing in Transformers Prime, the animated series, been in 24 and Chuck. The story was originally written to have Jolan. So it was kind of brother against brother. Oh. The actor was busy, so they wrote in Tony's character instead. Tell me what has caused this devastation. Volnak. It was Volnak. One man did this. Uh-oh. Why would he turn on his people? Tell me. Icon. Icon. His head, go ahead. Mackenzie, you stay with him. Ah, right, sure. Yeah, you stay there all alone. <laughs> so he's, he's given up with the miniaturization idea. Is he scanning you with a gamma counter? Oh, come on. It was just a theory anyway. If I'd been right, you'd all be calling me a genius right now. Yes, but you weren't right. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything? Uh, yeah, nothing significant. I mean, when you're used to beaming technology, you, you think, oh, they've beamed away somewhere. You know, that would be your first thought, surely. What? Lepton radiation? Oh, nice callback. Lepton, lepton radiation? Yeah, but like I said, only traces. I mean, there's nothing significant there. Gotta go. <laughs> From the episode Crystal School with Daniel's grandpa. Ding, 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 ding. You can almost hear an entire cathedral of bells going off Daniel's head there. <laughs> this one is alive. And believe it or not, when I was watching this, I thought, those boots look a strange colour. Yeah. And that was actually brought up on set. Shouldn't they be the same colour as a camo? But according to the military advisor, no, they're right. Green camos and tan boots. 
very fashion conscious the airport seems to be we gotta get him back to the gate now that's off uh-oh so the rock surface is flexible is it what's wrong <laughs> we're stuck here the crystals have been taken out <laughs> how did he get away then someone's removed all of the control crystals <laughs> not one teok there's none there Oh, perhaps there was only one. Someone has removed one of the control crystals. But how are we supposed to get out of here? We not. Let this be a lesson to you. Always carry a spare control crystal. Come on, Jackson, figure it out. I've already missed breakfast and lunch. <laughs> Why do I put up with Dr. Lee's thinking? General! Dr. Jackson, I just came from Dr. Lee's lab. Please tell me you have better news. I've been going over some of the texts we recovered from the cave in Glastonbury. And? Well, a lot of them seem to make oblique references to Arthurian legend. For instance, the word Anwin, which shows up several times, is, I believe, a variation on Anwin. Oh, let's see. Research the old-fashioned... Come on! How many? <laughs> you for Daniel, that's a lot of books. What, the picture of the guy with the big blowing robes? Said to render the wearer invisible. It was called the Mantle of Arthur and was kept at Bardsey Island by none other than our good friend Myrden, whom we know better as... Merlin. Exactly. I have no idea where you're going with this. Me either. How is this relevant? You, you can almost see his eyes glazing over there, couldn't you? Since they found this technology in Glastonbury, you know, it is kind of linked. They really did milk the Arthurian mythology in these final two seasons. You're damn right! According to legend, the mantle makes the user invisible. <laughs> You've got to assume at some point these people cracked up. It was the device we recovered. That's what I thought, because, I mean, in Harry Dresden, Harry's mantle is always his uh, coat mm -hmm. and his thick leather kind of half-cloak that adorns it. Indeed. Now, given what we know now, it seems much more likely that it was Merlin who actually built the device. So why would Merlin build a device that could transport him to another dimension? Ooh, today's Daily Double. <laughs> <laughs> when Alan was writing this episode, all he had was plot 18 of season 9, and it had to include Merlin's weapon and be very low-budget. So that's what he thought, a method of secure transport by the ancients, which evolved into Merlin's kind of little secret hidey hole. Well, you thought they might have tidied up some of the bodies. I mean, there's corpses lying everywhere. We could make our way back to the gate on foot. I do not believe that would be wise. The journey would take months, and the terrain is most treacherous. There's not much for us here. We're going to run out of supplies before long. Plenty of bodies around. General Landry was in an extraction team and we failed to report. And they'll end up stranded here just like us? If only we had a spaceship. We have food for the moment and we can build shelter. Perhaps when the extraction team arrives, we can repair the obelisk. What about Volnik? He's still out there. <laughs> He's thinking, hang on a minute, that's fine by you. SG-1 always survived. Yeah. Me? Not so much. He took out an entire village. <laughs> and the rest of SG-12. Those who use the Sodan cloaking device are invisible to everyone but each other. So if you use that thing, you'll be able to see him. Indeed. Didn't help that guy much, though, did it? We were fine until we got assigned to you. Doing little research, taking samples. We had a great time. The quote, a pocket full of P90s, was uh, <laughs> given to Tilt. Was there a way to give him a third one? Now, when I was out of phase, I could see and hear everything going on around me. So it follows if they're in the same situation, they're hearing what we're saying right now. Except they can't respond. Maybe they can, they just don't know it. Now, what does that look like to you? First reaction. 
A keyboard. Uh, except there's no visual interface. Not here. You mean it's on the other side? <laughs> well, there's no visual interface on my keyboard either, mate. Hmm. Now, the interactivity on this side is difficult to access. Now, I'm guessing as a type of safeguard against just anyone using the device. But there'd be no reason to hide it on the other side. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see that? Perhaps it was not turned on. Yeah! Sam, uh, Mitchell, if, if you can hear me, uh, okay, let's call this button yes and this button no. Daniel's clever, isn't he? Yep. Okay, uh, first question. Um, are you guys okay? Yep. Yes. Oh, thank God. I mean, now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Um, besides the interactivity, is there anything else unusual on your end? <laughs> yes. Something connected to the device. Would you call it connected? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Why does Mitchell get the privilege yes. of pressing the button? Yeah. Is it some sort of display? But that's, uh, that's emphatic, yes. Okay, thought so. Um, can you read it? <laughs> this could take a while. It's in ancient, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Stupid boy. Now, you guys are going to have to help me translate what you see, but you see, we don't know what pressing buttons randomly will do, so we're going to have to stick with yes and no and just do it. How likely is it to be in English? Right. This could take some time. Yeah. Well, that's never stopped anybody before in this show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay, um, first letter. You would think Sam would have picked up a lot more ancient than she has. No, she hasn't bothered. Maybe she just doesn't have a talent for languages. Maybe her talent, like mine, lies with engineering. It could be, yeah. Oh, ominous music. <laughs> Something's about to happen. Broken twig. And blood on it. Good eyesight, Duck. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> Oh, Predator. Arnie's going to run out of the bush any minute now. Mm -hmm. They didn't mention Predator in the commentary? They didn't, no. Status? Still no word from Teal or SG-12. How long are they overdue? Over an hour. Tell Colonel Reynolds to prep an extraction team. Have them ready to move out ASAP. Yes, sir. Good old Colonel Reynolds. Who actually says ASAP? It's like saying lol. <laughs> Well, it is a military term. Okay, first letter, next word. Stop me when you see the right symbol. Thank God they skipped over this, because it's going to be a boring segment. Yeah. Listen, you think you'll be okay on your own here for a while? Sure, why? We've lost contact with Tilk. Sam, pay attention to what Daniel's doing. Mm -hmm. Probably gone over the letter you're supposed to be clicking on. Off-world. Yeah, well, Jackson was able to travel through the gate when he was out of phase, so, yeah. Okay, that's a bit of a jump. You're out of phase. What do you hope to accomplish? Sam, Tilk could be in trouble. I want to check it out. No one can see me. I can't get hurt. <laughs> I'm missing all the fun. And tell nobody. Yeah. Sam, Mitchell, did you see it? She's not even paying attention to you, Daniel. She's ignoring you. <laughs> I'll only be gone a couple of hours. Hello, you guys still there? Well, at least click the yes button. You'll start panicking in a bit. It is a reach that the gate would recognise him when he's out of phase. Mm. I mean, it's got to get his data, put him in its buffer, send it, so... Eh, I'm not sure it'd work, really. He says, watching a science fiction show. <laughs> First letter, next word, and stop me when you see the right symbol. It's like playing the world's dullest party game. 
and you're not allowed to drink alcohol. Oh, lots of cloaked bodies. <laughs> Maybe he's super close. I know you look good, Christopher, but there's not a lot of protection. Whatever you do, Tilk, don't turn around. <laughs> Ooh. How did he miss? He didn't miss. He hit him in the shoulder. Well, no, they're pointing out how all these Zodan have been hit in the stomach in the pouch. Well, hidden Tilk in the pouch wouldn't work. He doesn't know it, Tilk. He fired from behind him. You tell me you wouldn't recognise that profile? <laughs> of course, we're assuming this guy's thinking rationally. He doesn't look too, well, normal, does he? He's like the zombie Jesus. <laughs> and the Walking Dead. Now, wouldn't it be fun if the Walking Dead had weapons? And the coherence to use them? Yeah, why not? Let's buy things up a bit. Finally figured out what Colonel Carter did to trigger the device. Yeah, but can you fix it? Don't touch anything, <laughs> Lee. We know what normally happens. Yep. It's really good. Anyway, I isolated the algorithm she used to synchronize the energy emissions coming from the device. <laughs> he seems rather happy. Did you see? That means if I counteract Sam's algorithm from my computer, allow the emissions to return to their normal frequencies, that could well reverse the process. Oh, just give me a sec. This is brilliant. Uh, uh oh. Somebody, anybody, stop that man right now. That should do it. Wrong person went shiny. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Bill, I will never doubt you again. Don't start celebrating yet, Daniel. Oh, the poor guy. His face just fell. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wrong show, mate. Wrong show. <laughs> Dr. Jackson, can, can you hear me? That would be a yes. If you can, press this button for yes. <laughs> oh, what have I done? I'm going to have to explain this to the general. Look on the bright side. <laughs> I'm going home. I'm not going to tell anybody. At least Daniel can read the text now. Yes, quite right. Silver lining. <laughs> Oh, more glowy orange lining. <laughs> Teal. You all right? It's a light wound. A leg? He said a leg wound. No, he said a light wound with our oh. subtitle. Right. <laughs> what happened? I found Volnak. Well, Till, he found you. Lucky to be alive. Too right. Icon. Others were not so fortunate. He woke up a few minutes ago. And there was no coffee. What has happened to Volnick? He didn't have any coffee either. Ten days ago. He went for coffee. We went to a neighboring world to... Get coffee. Acquire supplies for our village. Including, and not limited to, coffee. On the way back to the Shapai, he encountered a prior. He was told that the Sedan had committed unforgivable treason against the Ori. And they are tea drinkers. Prior vowed the great ill would befall us. And then planted his staff into the ground. The prior, Maurice Chapin-Delaine. We've seen him before. He also plays Tenant, the uh, alien bounty hunter, with one of Cameron's friends. 
For once, I want to see David playing a character called Tennant. <laughs> Several days passed without incident. Gotta admit, what the Ori did here was clever. Vonek fell ill. He became irrational, incoherent. We isolated him and treated him with our best medicines. They knew they couldn't take on the Sedan in four, so they planted this one person. Very rabid. Very, very rabid. Oh dear. Yesterday. Oh, that doesn't look good, does it? I don't think penicillin's going to work for him. Our finest warriors attempted to subdue him, but he killed them all with very little effort. He then turned on everyone in his sight. Why didn't he just kill him? His own brother, Jolan, was killed in the carnage that followed. Women and children fled to the woods and... All that time Anubis tried to design a super soldier and the Ori just clicked the fingers and they had one. Oh, Anubis is insane. I wonder if they're using the same sort of technology, you know, that what they found in was it evolution. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I saw him. Keep him alive so you can't really kill him. Because he looks like the one of them mercenaries that went a bit nuts. And of course he's got full Sudan training and weapons, so very formidable. Colonel Reynolds has turned up. Sorry about that, mate. You're stuck with us. What the hell happened here? Why haven't you checked in? The eye of the gods has been damaged. We're trapped here. So are you. The Ori had a hand in what has transpired here. The Ori? We have much to discuss. Come. Surprisingly, why would it allow people to come through but not out? You'd think the whole system would be down. That would make logical sense. <laughs> I know it works for the story, but it doesn't make sense. Casual Friday, is it, guys? Come on, you're on guard. Look, a van just drove right past you. It should be a simple matter of reversing the process. I'm on it. Don't let him do anything. <laughs> Is that supposed to be reassuring? <laughs> oh, you poor souls. Where's Mitchell? He went off world with the extraction team. What? He was convinced he could help Teal'c. I couldn't talk him out of it. <laughs> you mm. couldn't really stop him, really. <laughs> There's no sense in worrying about that now. On the bright side, the translation will go a lot quicker now that you're here. <laughs> Isn't that almost exactly what I said? <laughs> yes, it was. And you know I've only seen this episode once. Okay, this is interesting. Appears to be a log of some kind. Dear Diary. Merlin was conducting research on some kind of new invention. Yes, even the ancients kept records for patent infringement issues. And it was something big. Well, Merlin never did anything small, did he? Mm -hmm. he went to great lengths to try and hide it. This device was invented for the sole purpose of keeping his research a secret. He needed a way to conceal it from... His parents? His missus? His boss? Merlin needed to conceal his research from... His fellow ascended beings. But if he was ascended, he must have retaken human form to perform his research. I don't get it. What invention could have been so important that it would have led him to give up his ascension? A weapon. A weapon capable of destroying ascended beings. Yeah, all right. Yeah, this whole story is basically the key to the future of the Milky Way galaxy. As I said, Alan's old premise introduced the weapon that can destroy the Ori. And while we're not going to find it in this episode, we are going to get the first of the clues. Yeah. Anubis used a similar technology to give life to his co-warriors. I'm assuming there's no cure. 
The Volnak we know is dead. So how do we stop him? It. Whatever. By destroying the body entirely. <laughs> Obviously, they don't read all the uh, mission reports, unlike Cameron. Great, aren't you? We just plant two of them opposite each other and run a tripwire right through the middle. Then all we gotta do is lure them in. Claymore's piece of cake. While we're at it, maybe we can teach them how to speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that was Joseph Melozzi's little contribution to the episode. He was learning Japanese at the time. Understood. No, 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 that's just crazy. Let's at least wait for reinforcements. Waiting will only put the lives of others at risk. Volnek was clever enough to disable the Eye of the Gods. Undoubtedly, the missing crystal is in his possession. The only way we can return to Earth is to retrieve it. And the only way that we can do that is by killing Volnek. <laughs> yeah, that'd do it. Nice little effect. You get one shot when Cameron isn't there, another one where he just kind of just appears. Mm -hmm. And when I'll take my two guns and go. I know everybody wants to be in show business, but it's a thankless task when you've got to be a dead body and shot this long. Mm. Dress up, we'll put you in makeup and lie there and don't move. That would, they're hippies. <laughs> they're not, they're not hippies. So he went ahead and developed a weapon anyway. Oh, well, he found a way of doing it without their knowing about it by shifting his research to another dimension. Oh. Uh, so the weapon, did did he ever complete it? Bloody well hope so, or otherwise, mm. I mean, if you're going to pull a, a rabbit out the hat, it better be working rabbit. These notes seem to indicate that he completed the weapon here on Earth and then had to relocate it to... Where, Daniel, where? You know, that little warble sounds awfully like a triple. I don't need to know ancient to understand what that is. A gate address to where he hid the weapon. Oh. Oh, an address. How convenient. It's a bit unusual why the ancient language is so different from the symbols used on the ancient gate. My understanding is the symbols used on the gates are derived from the constellations. True, yeah. But of course the constellations are fluid. Very fluid. When you're talking about millennia. Mm. You sure you want to do this? I am. The key to everything, as Tilk has found out, is confidence. He will not fail. He knows that. Colonel Pierce knows that, even though he probably won't admit it to himself. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to make an adjustment to the algorithm. It's a bit of a long shot, but if I can get this to sync up... Mm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes, I know what to do. Oh, no. <laughs> Hello, this is Dr. Lee. I, um, I'd like to speak with General Landry, please. Yeah, it's a bit of an emergency. Oh, dear. I'm going to have to stop pressing buttons. You know, there's a fine line between crazy brave and crazy crazy, my friend, and you are walking it. What do you think, Lowe? You realize he took out an entire Sodan village. Great, great. Surely there's nothing in the log which enables them to just transit back. Yep, there he goes again. You know, the last thing I need is for you to get yourself killed. You realize how long it'll take me to find a replacement? You worry far too much, Colonel Mitchell. Ho ho! Ooh, interesting. <laughs> and see you. And smell you. You're not surprised? What is it? What's going on? I'm not sure, but I may have accidentally drained a significant portion of the machine's power supply. Well, where'd all the energy go? Just in the flicker of the display. <laughs> and what happens to Carter, Mitchell, and Daniel? I'm dead. In all likelihood, we'll be permanently stranded. Or it'll default back to uh, standard. So we can see each other when you're cloaked. That means if Volnick's cloaked, he'll be able to see me. All I gotta do is get his attention, 
and lead them right back to Reynolds. This visual effect was just used in some of the settings on the HD cameras that desaturated the image. They tried a number of different effects, blue sheen to it, pink sheen to it, eventually settled on this. Hmm. Hey, take your best shot if you don't... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck on this one. Cameron now has the Tilk seal of approval. Hey, did you even think twice about that? I did not. <laughs> huh. They had a lot of trouble with the fight sequence here. It was raining on and off. So they didn't like how much you're looking saturated? Well, again, they had problems figuring out the point of views. When are they looking through Cameron's eyes? When are they looking through Tilks? When are they looking through Volnex? Well, Volnex eyes will probably be red tinged. Come on out and show me some of those monster moves! <laughs> monster moves. Oh, there you are. I was getting worried. Oh. Yes, and they asked in the commentary, what was he doing behind that tree? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, gotta do better than that. Puzzled expression on the zombie. <laughs> His teeth look metal. Yeah. His jaws can get bombed. <laughs> well, he's bloody good at hitting trees, I'll give him that. Got better rain than your average stormtrooper. <laughs> yes. Stormtroopers, even zombies ain't better than we do. I should get up into one of those black banded things. I can say they had to rejig a lot of the dialogue in some of the long shots of this. There was some confusion. Could Tilk actually see Cameron before he used a sedan cloaking technology? The idea went, since they're both derived from ancient, and uh, no, as soon as he used it, yes. We're running out of time. Okay, I think I've got it. This looks like a, some sort of master control screen. Yeah, here it is. It's a, it's a button combination. If this works, what happens to Mitchell? I don't know. Again, what could possibly go wrong? Mitchell's not in any danger. <laughs> He's not in a battle of life and death, where being cloaked is vitally important. This is a nicely set-up scene with the two pairs of characters. Doctor! Okay. I'm going to try and make an adjustment to the algorithm. It's a bit of a long shot. You better be sure about this, Doctor, because if you make me disappear, there won't be a dimension safe enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> Empty threats, to be honest, General. Wow, two people trying to control the same technology. This could end poorly. Now, who gets credit for that? Come on! Don't give up! Come on! Come on! <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> yes, he's holding a piece of bark, so he's real. Oh, crap. The best laid plans and all that. You did it! <laughs> Yay, Dr. Lee gets the credit while Sam and Daniel poke each other. No, actually I didn't. It was Daniel. He figured it out. Good man. Where's Colonel Mitchell? Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave Ben a lot of praise because he was fighting with himself. <laughs> Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> Come on, Till. <laughs> I'm not quite sure the P90 was meant to be used like a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, I like it. Just casually throw away the P90s. Run, man, run.
Oh, that actually didn't look fake. No. Normally when you see that sort of shot, it's CGI explosion and the actors jumping for all the work. You know, the whole point of my coming here was for me to rescue you. Not a mark on him. You are most welcome, Colonel Mitchell. Good day out of the duke. He looks happy. Let's see him get up from that one. Unfortunately, we must now locate the crystal. What, are you talking about this crystal? Took it off him during the fight. Oh, of course he did. What am I getting time for dinner? He picked his pocket while he was in a life and death struggle with a supercharged zombie Sudan warrior. Is Cameron the replacement for Jonas? <laughs> Not sure, because sometimes it seems just as daft. The question was asked, where the hell did the crystal come from? Peter DeLuise, who directed the episode, claims that there's one shot in the whole sequence where it looks like he's actually grabbing the crystal. As far as he's concerned, that's it. Question answered. And as the two guys walk off into the distance, they also pointed out that they're walking over the remains of the Sudan. Hmm. <laughs> the particular one that was killed? or Oh yeah, because that's where the explosion happened. They walked right through him. Yeah, I was expecting them to uh, sit up and go, and then to shoot him in the head and then fall over. Or a hand, <laughs> slowly following him. Yeah, just the hand, you know? <laughs> just the hand, in the grand tradition of the uh, Hammer horror films. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And that was Arthur's Mantle. Finally, the Milky Way looks like it's got a bit of hope against the Ori. Because what they've been doing so far hasn't been working very well. They've been dying well. Well, yeah, I suppose they can keep up that tactic for a few years. You know, there's, I don't know how many trillions of people are in the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. But eventually, <laughs> you run out of people. Conway, who was played by Darren Giblin... He was the young army officer. This was his one and only time in front of the camera. Mm. He was an assistant on site. He was an office assistant and a grip on SG-1 and Atlantis. And also a production assistant in the Twilight Zone. I had to remember what my shorthand was for. <laughs> Morris Chapadelaine, who played the prior. He's been in Fringe, Smallville, Battlestar, Andromeda. Also the Ark of Truth. He appeared in four episodes of SG-1 and a single episode of Atlantis. As I said, he played the alien bounty hunter Tenant. And he's also the Asgard puppeteer. Hmm. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah. You? What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. No feedback for last week's show apart from retweets and mentions over on Twitter. Thanks guys, you know who you are. We have some very well-known birthdays this week, beginning on the 1st of June with Patrick Gilmore and Rennie Aubergenois. Patrick played Dr. Del Volker on Stargate Universe, a Jedi soldier on Atlantis, and Bernie Ackerman on Stargate SG-1. Rene was, of course, Odo on Deep Space Nine, and Clayton Endicott III on Benson, and appeared just once on Stargate SG-1 in the episode The Other Side as Alar. On the 2nd of June, two ladies of Stargate celebrate their births. Marina Baccarin played Adria in five season 10 episodes of Stargate SG-1, and, of course, Anara on Firefly. She has found critical acclaim in Homeland, and also starred in V as Anna. Jewel was acting long before she became a fan favourite as Kaylee on Firefly, and then went on to join Stargate Atlantis as Dr. Jennifer Keller. But she also appeared on Dead Like Me, Wonder Falls, The Killing, and The LA Complex. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, we would love to hear from you. And you can find a contact form on the main Gatecast website, which is over on gatecast.co.uk. Our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Gatecast. We are also on Twitter, at TheGateCast, which is one word, and we are listed on Stitcher Internet Radio and iTunes. So if you want to rate or review us, we'd appreciate it. Okay then, let's wrap the show up. That was Arthur's Mantle. Next week, we are back on Atlantis for the episode Michael and the first appearance of Connor Trenier in the franchise. 
final or first? First. Ah, right. You need subtitles. <laughs> yes. Or reading comments on the Gatecast page. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> About the Death Glider and what, for me, looks like a bag of soup. Well, it'll be a bag of bricks, won't it? And you yeah. put them together. We hope you join us next week for the Stargate Atlantis episode, Michael. And we have two guests on, Adam and Paul, from previously in the Alpha Quadrant, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. Until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.